From Korea, I'm Amira Jiwa. And I'm Duncan Griffith Nakanishi. And welcome to Korea's Workshop Podcast. Every two weeks, Workshop breaks down one essential business topic and explains how it could be useful for you. Our goal is to get you just the right amount of info to help you apply what we're talking about to what you're working on. I'll be speaking to experts with practical tips and founders with relevant experience. And I'll be explaining essential terms and summarizing the key takeaways at the end of the show. Today, we're covering one of those pesky little topics that's easy but risky for small brands to ignore, content usage rights. It can seem counterintuitive, but as a brand, even if you pay for content to be made, you don't automatically own it. The copyright stays with its creator and you need a license to use it. To avoid getting into legal trouble down the line, it's important to get a written agreement in place that outlines exactly how and for how long you're allowed to use that photo, video, or social media post you commissioned. Don't take it from me, it's what our guest said. You know, both parties could exploit a situation where a clearly defined agreement hasn't been put in place, and that's really something that you have to watch out for. So what we say from the get-go is use licensed content to build your company, so as your company grows, it's just one less headache to think about. Ultimately, ignoring it and then it going wrong can put brands in a lot of hot water. This is a more technical subject than others we've covered on workshops. We thought we'd get in a lawyer to really clear up the legal nuances of why you need to pay to use content and how to get a legit agreement in place with any content creators you work with. Here's Jasmine Boedi, who specialized in media, entertainment and fashion law and has lots of experience looking at agreements between brands and content creators. Jasmine, let's start by defining content creators. Some examples are more obvious than others, but I know this can be a wider range of people than you might initially assume. The legal definition of a content creator can kind of be married up to what we would call a creator of an original artistic work. The most obvious one I think nowadays is, you know, content creators, i.e. influencers, people who are in and of themselves a brand and who have the ability to ultimately sell a product, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, just using their brand identity. You could also be talking about a production company. So, you know, an entity whose sole purpose is to produce video content or edit content. Photographers just taking photography, taking photographs on behalf of a brand. In this day and age, things like TikTok, where you have 17-year-olds who are now choreographers, they would still be considered to be creators, considering it from a legal perspective. So, It's ultimately anyone who is creating original content or producing goods or services with intellectual property behind it. Okay, so these content creators have some intellectual property that they've created and so therefore own. How can a brand legally use that content? For example, a photographer would have copyright in a photograph that he or she or they have created. In order to lawfully grant the opportunity for somebody else to use that, they need to grant a license. If you were to try and define the license, we would say it's the lawful grant of a permission to do something that would otherwise not be legal or allowed. More often than not, we see that in the context of a contract. So you might have some wording, which is as simple as, or it can be as simple as, I, the content creator, grant brand a license for use of my content. And what kinds of things need to be included in that contract or content license? So I think the two key things are establishing what exactly that license covers. And then once you've done that, establishing the scope of the license. So you need to think, is it worldwide as a license or is it 
something that I'm going to be using just in a specific territory. You also need to think about revocable and irrevocable licenses. So basically what that means is if something's revocable, you have the ability to take it back. And then you want to think about in terms of scope, how long is this license going to last? Is it going to last forever or is it limited for a specific amount of time? And then again, in terms of scope, you want to think about exclusivity. So as a brand, am I the only entity that has the right to use this particular piece of work or piece of content? Any advice for a small brand that wants to put together one of these agreements, but maybe doesn't have, you know, a law firm on retainer? I mean, as a lawyer, I'm, I have to be risk averse. So I would say it is important to get a lawyer in. Of course, I'm so aware that, you know, lawyers nowadays can be pretty expensive. And at the very minimum, I would say perhaps getting a solicitor in, in the first instance, to create some easy templates that are really intuitive, that they can just use going forward and tweak as needed going forward. And I guess for brands who maybe have never come across lawyers or law firms and don't even know where to start, Chambers and Partners is a really, really good resource to look at online so if you go on to chambers.com you can have a look at firms and or lawyers that specifically have expertise in a certain area of course there are so many resources online you know examples of template wordings and you know draft contracts that you can pay for that all that are free but i think the risk with that is oftentimes a you don't know who's written them you don't know where they're from they might be drafted by someone who is actually not a qualified solicitor but actually more frequently they might be drafted by an overseas solicitor finally any other advice for a brand looking to keep all their ducks in a row when they're working with content creators So one thing that I think brands in particular need to be aware of, especially when they are using content creators to create essentially advertising, they need to be at a very high level, at least aware of advertising standards, regulations. They want to make sure that they're really clear about, you know, something as simple as saying to an influencer or content creator, please make sure that you're adding, you know, appropriate hashtag ad in your content. Or if you're a photographer and you're, you know, being part of this project please make sure that if the content is for example relating to tobacco or relating to alcohol that you know you're not including individuals under age i think at the very highest level brands need to be aware of what they are hopefully hearing from jasmine convince you that you need to get these agreements in place but what kinds of things should you be asking content creators for and how do you get them to agree we spoke to andrew antionides business director of full-service creative agency 1112, about exactly that. Andrew, in a nutshell, what are usage rights and why do brands need to make sure that they have them? The brand is paying for the right to be able to use that creative output for a certain period of time in certain territories and normally defined as well on, on certain channels. So, you know, will that be used across print if it's going to be used digitally or online will that just be used on their social channels or actually are they planning on pushing kind of media spend behind that so that you know they might promote a social post for example it's always good practice to build in kind of options at the time of commission so that both parties are also protected by that and it also really encourages i think more of that transparency as well the creative is being paid fairly for their work and and really then the brand is protected against the leverage of any inflated fees for images that frankly they've already covered the cost of production. And in your experience, what are the kind of standard terms that brands should expect when they commission content? I think that as from a standard perspective, you know, there would be an expectation that you can feature this content on your own, what we call own channels. So whether it's on your website, whether it's on your social channels, for example, that would be your base minimum. And normally I would say we would normally go in at one year for that. 
how do you suggest brands approach getting those usage rights that they need? Ideally, a brand should have some sort of idea in terms of where they might use it. And it's about being as specific as possible. So I think at the beginning of this process to say, I want it to appear across all my retail spaces for a year. If someone hasn't done their research, they could give you a huge figure because they don't know how many retail spaces you've got. Whereas if you're very explicit up front to say, you know, we have one store, it's in London, where actually this content would be shown is on video screens. You know, so as, as specific as you can be allows you to kind of get the best out of it. I think a lot of people um, sometimes approach this and, and they think, I'll just keep it really vague. Because if I keep it vague, then I can probably get away with a little bit more. And to be honest, you're kind of giving potentially the agents and the creative free reign to be able to contest something that wasn't clearly defined. You know, even at the end of the day, a lot of clients may just go with, with a one sentence and they might say, we want online usage for our owned and, and paid channels. And that's obviously going to be worldwide and we want it for one year. What happens when the brand you know, knows what it wants in terms of usage rights, but the creator doesn't really want to give it to them? It's about a dialogue. It's all about a conversation. I think that if something comes back to you and it's much higher than you'd expected originally, have a conversation with them. See where you can kind of meet a middle ground that works for all parties within the proposed budget. What is your negotiation strategy? What is your red line? Where will you absolutely not go past? Whether it is in terms of the, the budget that you're looking at, whether it's the number of territories or how you actually can use it, but try and be realistic. But something which I think is really interesting for smaller brands when talking to these content creators is that you might have much more clearly defined values and you might actually you know much more clearly stand for something versus these bigger brands where frankly it becomes quite confused and convoluted and so you know you'd be surprised how many influencers or photographers or models because they actually frankly love your brand and they love what you stand for and what you're trying to put out there in the world they're willing to give you a bit of a better deal if you don't have the resources to commission your own content and get in place the right usage rights there is another option buying content that is already licensed and ready to use. Our final guest is Sean Singh, co-founder of Death to Stock, a stock photo site that offers membership to brands looking for fully licensed content. Sean, why should small brands consider buying already licensed content instead of licensing their own? It's extremely powerful for a small business, where now they can have expert photography within a click of a button. The real major benefits of it being is it scales and it's very cost effective. And for a small business owner, you cannot invest in original content. One, not just the cost, but necessarily the knowledge that's needed. Putting together a production team, a creative treatment, actually going executing the actual shoot as well as posts. And so what does Death to Stock offer in terms of content? When we set out on our very first startups, it was very hard to find licensed stock photos. It's always been reserved for like the much larger online brands. Just for example, if we want to license a photo commercially, it was going to cost us five to six hundred dollars. Or if we're going to essentially swipe a photo using Google Images, it opens up to a whole issues of litigation. So what we started doing was bringing our own production team together, our own talent, our own models, and said, let's do this properly. Let's get a lawyer involved, get all the releases signed, and every single one of our shoots is fully licensed. That means all the talent have signed legal releases as well as our photographers and videographers and so on. And so what we kept it was a standard license, which covers the social, the website, as well as an extended license, which means products for resale, as well as broadcasting, television, and even outdoor billboards. When you say fully licensed, what do you mean? What's covered by a death to stock license? 
If there's a model and when you're using someone's likeness to sell a product or build your brand, that person needs to sign a release for their likeness. And the next one is the creator of the photos, meaning the photographer, the videographer, the stylist, the makeup artist. All these people are sharing their own intellectual property, meaning that they are having some sort of creative input into the final product, being the images. Right down to sometimes even the property or location. This location needs to have a release because someone owns it. And everyone needs to sign essentially their rights away to the client, and that's us. And what we do is we capture all those license in our membership. And so when you sign up to Death of Stock, you have direct claim to those licenses. Meaning that if you use it within our terms of service, you will be covered. And at what point do brands need to start taking this legal stuff really seriously? When you are launching and you need something free and you're very scrappy, that's fine. But as soon as you go from amateur to professional, take everything seriously. And everyone knows that tipping point, whether it be making your first real sale or potentially even hiring your first employee. That's when you flip the switch and go, hey, I got away with a lot of stuff in the beginning, but now I have to take everything seriously. Any tips for small businesses to manage licenses for the content that they use? And what we've always recommended is for very new entrepreneurs, new business owners, they need to have some sort of audit process. These photos that are very integral to our online brand presence, do we have the legal releases signed for this? Where do we actually get this photo? Because what happens is, as they go from iteration to iteration, they kind of just forget where this photo came from. And when you go back to track this photo, it's very, very difficult. Having like a basic, you know, one day a year or even one day every six months, just to sit back and have a look at all your content on your website, on your Instagram, on any form of ads you're running, and just say, do I have the releases for all this content? If you don't, it's sometimes it's as simple as reaching out to the provider and saying, hey, can you send me the releases for this image? I bought it three years ago. And they will always send it very quickly. If you don't have a release for that image, just see if you can replace it. It's very, very simple. Thanks so much to Jasmine, Andrew, and Sean for all their valuable insights. If you want to learn more about the content licensing and usage rights, head to MailChimp.com courier for our step-by-step -step guide on getting a solid agreement together. Now, here's Duncan to wrap up with key takeaways from today. Number one, no matter how small your business, you need to make sure you have a license in place that covers the content you're using and the way you're using it. Number two, before working with a content creator, think about how, where, and for how long you want to use what they make. And number three, this is a legal issue with legal repercussions. So make sure you get a lawyer involved at some stage to ensure the agreements you're putting in place cover everything they need to. That's it for today. If you have any ideas or feedback for us, get in touch at workshop at couriermedia.co. Workshop is back in two weeks. See you then.